0: And today we're going to assess the risk of breast implant surgery. So here we're talking about placement of an implant and why potentially people are seeking augmentation in the first place. Well, I'll give you perspective on two different age groups, really. We'll say the first age group will be, we'll call it 1830-ish. And so that group is typically a group who may have underdeveloped during puberty, they may have taken a great deal of criticism in fact even being bullied about the size of their breast, which has created a real psychological issue for them on body image and so that group they haven't had kids it's really early in their life and it's a difficult decision but many will arrive at breast augmentation as a way to enhance their physical appearance increase their self-esteem and body image because of that and so they'll choose to undergo breast augmentation and when you're looking at most augmentation in the United States has a couple of pathways in terms of choice of implant. The implant can be either filled with silicone, and the surface can either be smooth or textured. The shape can be round or anatomic, if you will. But in general, a standard augmentation, we'll just speak about one most commonly used, would be round and smooth, would be the standard bearer. So excluding other things, we'll talk about what does that entail for surgery. Well, every surgery has basically the same risks involved. Short term are bleeding, infection, scarring. You could have asymmetry. You could have alterations in sensitivity of the nipple urethra complex in this situation. You could have malposition. And those are obviously the majority of the short term issues. Long term, you could have things that happen like capture contracture you could have the device fail and if it's saline it could deflate if it's silicone it could rupture the rupture could be tane, contained within the scar capsule or external and leak into the tissues far far less common now with cohesive gel implants and certainly as you age People will lose and gain weight. They may have pregnancies. And so these alterations will change not so much the implant, but how the breast appearance is. It may start to sag off of the implant, especially if the implant in a young person, which is typically placed behind the muscle, the muscle holds the implant in place and the, the breast ages off of that. So it can give you what we call a basically like a, a deformity where it's almost, you see two issues. You'll have the breast implant sitting higher and the, the breast tissue coming off of the face of the implant. And so when you have that happen, it, it leads to you know additional surgery. In that case, where the tissue's aging off, maybe it's recommended that the patient undergo a lift surgery. It may be that they undergo a lift and an exchange surgery. So there's lots of variables in that for the, the younger group as they age with their implants and either have or don't have a pregnancy, gain or, or, or don't gain weight. They will continue to age and the skin will, in fact, lose its elasticity over time because it always does we'll get back to this show in a moment but i wanted to share something that i think can really help you you might not be aware but part of my work as an innovator in the cosmetic surgery space is to create products that will give my patients the best possible outcomes and restore their health as quickly as possible i can't tell you how critical it is for all of my patients to actively work to reduce inflammation in their bodies we do this through diet and supplementation In fact, I've created a special inflammation support bundle for my patients, and now you can have access to it as well. One of the reasons this bundle is perfect for my patients is that so many of them have pill fatigue. It's just not going to work for them to have a handful of pills each day to reduce inflammation. So I made sure to include the liposomal version of many of the vitamins and minerals within the bundle. You'll still get the full absorption of these supplements in your mouth without having to go through your gut first in order to be absorbed. You can get the inflammation support bundle at drrobsolutions.com and begin to feel better when you make the supplements a part of your daily health routine the website again is drrobsolutions.com i can't wait for you to get this help in your hands so in the second group that didn't have augmentation early in life but had children breastfed had basically expansion of the tissues with milk production and then obviously contraction after they've discontinued breastfeeding if they were able to do that over a period of time and many times it'll take a period of time to lose weight accumulated during their pregnancy and so once that's all sorted out people may have an appearance where it's it's deflated the skin hasn't held tone it's it's relaxed more there may be stretch marks there may be all sorts of reasons for a change in breast aesthetics, and that's typically your second peak where the breast has lost volume. So it's kind of deflated appearance. It may be in a low set position now because it's expanded and with contraction, lost some of the elasticity. And this can be the skin it can be the nipple areolar complex or all sorts of aspects of this and then that's when rejuvenation of the breast after pregnancies is recommended and it can be typically implant placement for volume restoration coupled to lift or mastopexy to help with the the skin that's become looser and is hanging the wrong position two below the fold typically. So that's mastopexy augmentation. And so it carries short term risk with mastopexy augmentation is there is a higher degree of asymmetry when you do them at the same time. And anytime you do more skin work, there's more complications related to skin infections. Obviously, there's more scarring when you're doing something like that because it's a visual scar that is going to be down the front of the breast and around the areolar complex, unlike in a primary augmentation where it's probably under the fold or around the nipple or in the axilla. So I think these are the the issues. And if you're going to undergo augmentation at a young age or augmentation later in life, you want to choose a a board certified or board eligible plastic surgeon for this type of procedure. I would not go to patients who are allowed to put implants in because they can buy them like an ear, nose and throat doctor or a dentist or a cosmetic surgeon who has training in another discipline. It should be something that is not allowed, but it is. So I'll go back to... You know selection of patients for augmentation i'll I'll give you my personal experience because i feel like as somebody who did oncologic reconstruction for a long period of time we were faced with lots of challenges with people with pre-existing medical conditions and we had to be careful in the selection process and there are a number of factors that go into it so for instance if someone came into me who was younger but had a family history that they're aware of Sjogren's, lupus rheumatoid arthritis lichen sclerosis some autoimmune disorder i would not recommend that they get a breast implant for augmentation i would you know discuss fat transfer if that was an option for them but i would not recommend that for a primary augmentation or a primary form of implant-based reconstruction Given their pre-existing autoimmune situation, I I felt was too complicated for them, especially my oncology patients who would then progress to other therapies, chemotherapy, hormone suppression therapy, radiation therapy. All these therapies would further complicate their situations. Typically, other things that you'd have to really be careful about are people who had skin conditions. If, If people had a psoriatic condition, eczema really bad issues with acne or breakout because you have to put this through the skin and the skin of the face, chest and arms has a lot of bacteria, especially very high in cutie bacterium, acnes. And so these things all play a role in your interpretation from a provider of what you can offer safely. The kind of ages we're talking about don't put you in health category risk for heart disease, lung disease, skin disease. Those things should be at play in this group. And those would have to be independently evaluated if they wore know, ways to then minimize risk like we did in oncology were to do all the above as i mentioned and then during the operation be very specific about our technique we had a no touch technique for the most part only i would touch the device after changing gloves the skin was covered carefully protected and then in similarly in cosmetic Augmentation, we'd be very careful with protection of the skin, use what's called a funnel to pass the device, once again, using a no touch technique. And these are all things just to minimize risk when working with an implant. It's born out of a hip implant, knee implant, breast implant. You're really trying to minimize your opportunity for contamination in the operative field or at the time from someone helping you in the operation. And then that sets. The stage to have the best possible outcomes early on after surgery. So once again, having you know, fully explain this to clients, and now when you discuss you know breast augmentation with clients, you definitely have to discuss all the different aspects of these breast implant associated lymphomas, as well as breast implant illness. And once again, you're trying to get a very very clear understanding of patient expectations, their health, and then what what you can do in terms of technique to help them the most. There are multiple factors, and obviously, we want to make sure decision-making is as careful as possible, and I always felt that was very complicated. When we're younger, it's it's a hard task to kind of think about all the long-term implication, implications of having an implant. Once again, whether it's a hip, knee, breast, neurologic, spinal stimulators, defibrillators, it doesn't matter. I've helped every type of surgical discipline with an implant problem, obviously taking care of breast implant problems as well. So they each have their own problems because they're foreign bodies and you have to make sure that you do your best to inform the patient and set them up for success, provide them with adequate support, and that will lend itself to the best overall outcomes. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found the information and stories shared on this podcast helpful and informative. Remember, taking control of your health and wellness is key to recovery from breast and plant illness. If you're looking for additional resources and support, be sure to visit our online store, Dr. Rob's Solutions at drrobsolutions.myshopify.com you'll find a wide range of wellness products and supplements to support your journey to recovery. From specially formulated detox supplements to personalized skincare products, we have everything you need to aid your recovery. Visit Dr. Rob's Solutions today at drrobsolutions.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Remember, you're not alone in this journey, and together we can overcome breast implant illness. Take care.